important words in today's interview with Melinda Poland from Strata Integrative Wellness Center. She's going to be helping us with some of our women's health education at the Life Strategy Retreat in November. And I love what she said. I think it's so important for all of us to hear. Integrative wellness is not an option. It's, it's, it's something that we need to, in order to, to function wholly. And we're going to be stepping into some uh, integrative wellness awareness throughout our retreat weekend. And Melinda has some great wisdom to share a little bit about her path as a nurse and how she ended up at Strata and what she's going to do for us this weekend in November. So grab your friend and a glass of wine and join us. I am sitting with Melinda Pollen, a registered nurse practitioner and board certified on the women's health and uh, a master of science in nursing, working at Strata um, Integrative Wellness Center and Spa. And we are going to be holding a retreat here in November at the Garden of the Gods Resort adjacent to the wellness center here. I'm really, really encouraged to get a chance to, to talk with you, Melinda, just to find out uh, what you are seeing in women's health, uh, what are the important areas that women should be paying attention to when you're, they're taking a pause in life to talk about self-care. But first, I want to give us a chance just to relax and roll back the clock a little bit and ask about Melinda. What got you in to this nurse practitioner um, um, line of work and your nursing degree? What, what inspired you to go this route? Well, I uh, wanted to be a nurse ever since I can remember. So, and especially a nurse practitioner. I knew that I wanted to do this before nurse practitioners were even popular or PAs were popular or mid-level providers were popular. I've always set that as a goal. Mm -hmm. um, so ever since I was a candy striper and, and when I was 12 years old, I've been in healthcare that long. Wow. And actually my first registered nurse job was in the same small hospital that I was in a candy striper at. So. Um, wow. I've been a long timer. <laughs> yeah. So you worked in hospitals. Mm -hmm. Is that where you were most of your career before coming here? Not really. Um, I worked in the hospitals probably for about eight years. I was a labor and delivery nurse. I was a cardiac nurse. Um, did a lot of weekends, nights, and evening shifts while my kids were small. But I always knew that I wanted to go on and get that graduate degree and be a women's health care nurse practitioner. Cause I've always really enjoyed obstetrics and gynecology, so um, and that was 25 years ago that I got my master's degree, so it's been a long time. Nice. And, and you also um, are a registered nurse first assistant, so you has, have assisted in surgery, and surgery is like my hysterectomy um, 10 years ago. Um, tell me what you learned about women's health through that experience. Well, actually, it was a dropper coming down to Colorado Springs because I always wanted to get into the surgery piece of that. Um, when I would uh, work with somebody with chronic pelvic pain, um, incontinence, uh, infertility, I would always have to refer over to surgeon, you know, which was which was good, you know, but it always um, didn't feel like I was being able to go full circle and knowing exactly what that pathology was going. 
So I had an opportunity to get trained down in Colorado Springs with Dr. Peter Bianco, mm -hmm. and I was able to uh, get my RNFA, Registered Nurse First Assist, and, and actually go into surgeries and C-sections and, and actually really get to see that anatomy. Um, so it enhanced what I would do back into the office as I'm seeing those patients and being able to, you know, basically describe to them um, pathology. Right, right. And those of us who are on the other side of that have no idea really what uh, we might be looking for in terms of monitoring our own health. What are some of the surprises that you've seen your patients discover in their own management of their health? Well, you know, from a surgical perspective, one of the other things that was really, in my opinion, one of the best parts of that was that I was there with them during a really critical time of that decision making when they decided to do surgery. So um, from a spiritual connection with their healthcare provider, it meant a lot. So I think working with women, you know, in helping them have somebody to listen to, whether it's pelvic pain or menopause, um, and then having that full circle and take care of them after you know, I mean, I got great history with people for years. Right. And that's what is so noteworthy about integrative wellness, that it takes the spiritual perspective into consideration. What does that mean to somebody who's surprised to hear that? How would you explain that? Um, I, don't, I don't think that they should be surprised because that's medicine. I mean, if you are a true healer and a practitioner, and you're, and you're helping people, which is how I always came to feel medicine was. Mm -hmm. Even as a young girl, I would always wanna to try to help people and, um, and had role models, Mother Teresa, you know, is one. Um, you know, there just is some real pioneers in, in healers. Jean Watson is another one who um, was the dean when I went to school at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, a lot of people aren't familiar with her theory of nursing, but it was all caring. Yeah. So, um, so basically the spirituality piece has got to be, you've got to be present with your patients. Absolutely. How would spirituality affect my own health management? How does it impact the health of, of my whole body? Well, I just read an article actually this morning that if you have faith-based or in some form you actually have a little about four to 14 years longer like you know health expectant life expectancy life expect really? so actually so there has been some really hard science looking at a spiritual connection with how long you live you know I mean we've done that with smoking but nobody's really actually crunched the numbers on a spiritual path but right. now we're starting to get that literature in. We're seeing it because there's more mindfulness in the workplace and um, the more um, ubiquitous practice of yoga starting to help people to connect with the spiritual side of things. Well, I think it's being more accepted in that you don't have to feel embarrassed to be in a yoga pose, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, um, that it, it's actually people are saying this is something that you should be doing not as an alternative. I always say alternative medicine is not an alternative for some cultures. 
it's mainstream. It is mainstream, and so, we've kind of missed it in, in our Western culture, which is... In our American culture, yes, mm-hmm. it is. It's fun to see that come back in. That's why I'm very excited to be able to have the retreat here adjacent to this um, integrative wellness spa. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a really life-changing experience for some of the women. Um, uh, I'm wondering, you know, in, in terms of women's health, um, your experience as a practitioner must have influenced your own um, health management or work-life balance. How, how do you feel that you, the knowledge you've gained in the workplace has helped you to manage your own energy and, and mental clarity? Well, I quit my job. So that was one. Yeah, <laughs> stressful job. So instead of seeing 25 patients a day, uh-huh. I can see, um, you know, maybe 10 to 12 a day. And that's a big, and I can see them like I want to see them. Right. Um, being rushed through is no, is a frustrating way of, of practicing medicine. Yeah. So I would come home completely burned out and fried. And, um, and it just didn't seem like it was my how I it wasn't a healthy way of practice for myself or my relationships well it makes sense in terms of what you just said about the spiritual connection that the need to nurture your patients you can't nurture 25 people a day I can't it's just impossible and then I don't have anything left for myself or my or my husband your your soul is completely drained at the end of the day so so I made the hard decision to quit a successful practice um which is which was my dream job Mm -hmm. and actually start over yeah and so I did that three months ago and joined um and and I was so fortunate to be able to come up to strata integrative wellness because they were really wanting somebody to embrace a functional approach and bring it um a little bit more organized and formal Mm -hmm. here so um so I've been starting that up and that's been nice to to help organize that for the other practitioners and yeah. help us all work better as a team. So, but then I've also, I'm working one day less a week. Oh, well. good. So well, that's good for your whole life too. And your own family. That is one of the things that I, I had to do for myself. Right. So, right. Um, so that I'm making time to do those other things, you know, get back into music, get back into reading, get back into writing, get back into, um, you know, exercise and travel, spending time with my children and my granddaughter. Nice. Um, nurturing my, you know, I like to cook and, you know, and, and my relationship, you know, with my husband. Um, you know, I like to, you know, make it a nice home for him and myself and garden. And when you're working 45 hours a week, you can't do that. Right, right. So it's, it becomes impossible. And I just thought I'm going to be 57 and I don't. What's that next ten years of my work life going to look like? Mm-hmm. You have. You're off to a good start here. Three months in. Speaking of family, I want to roll back to a word that you mentioned earlier. If you're sitting around a family reunion, and your your relatives ask, "What do you mean by functional medicine? How do you explain that?" Well, I hate to give them the the definition that everybody gives because it's saying we're looking at uproot causes of disease we're looking at upstream causes of disease because that sounds so cliche these days because mm-hmm. um, you'll see that everywhere that people talk about functional medicine we're going to look at uproot causes well what does that really mean well what it means is 
this is a model of medicine that we should have been doing the whole time and right. just forgot. So <laughs> when I learned about the nursing models that I studied, we're looking at you know some of the more obvious things on what makes people well and what doesn't make people well. In the old days, they figured out that it was clean sheets and fresh air, you know, and an actual mm-hmm. having somebody spend time with you and listening to you really can go a long way when, in helping healing. So when you look at a functional medicine perspective, it's bringing back in what we should have been doing all along. We're going to be looking at what happened to them in childhood. We're going to be looking at their diet. We're going to be looking at their genetics and how they assimilate and process um, and absorb right. food, you know, so... Um, and then actually trying to prevent disease, and that's that's what our our mission is. That's the part that's missing in a lot of Western healthcare, where you're farmed through 25 patients a day. There's not a lot of um, effort in uh, prevention, and there's not a lot of medical research in there either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is for the basic things like, oh, get your cholesterol checked, but nobody asks you about you know exactly let's talk about your diet yeah you know when you go into your doctor's office how long do do they take a sleep survey Mm -hmm. or look at your diet right well and yeah elimination that's another issue with women in their 50s things that are just not working the same as they used to work and they don't really know why do you help solve those problems for women well a lot of that's cumulative Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when we're young, we have, a, you know, we're a little bit more like Teflon. As we get older, our bodies don't regenerate as well and bounce back. Right. So what we're looking for as far as, far as women in midlife is really trying to undo damage that they've already done mm-hmm. and then go forward. Oh, so, yeah, there's a lot of undoing. How long do you think that takes for your average first-time visitor? One year minimum. Right. Yeah. So when you when you start a, a functional medicine program, people's expectation of, has got to be that this is a partnership, yeah, and that we're going to be doing this over the long run. And we're just so conditioned; people want a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Women want to, you know, have all their symptoms of menopause taken care of with one prescription. But what they don't realize is that their body's changing daily. Yeah. So we need to talk about how we're going to adjust and work That's together brilliant on yeah. that so i can see why it needs to take a year a year to to really work through that good now what we have in november is just a weekend so we're doing one bod pod assessment for every woman who's attending the retreat can you give kind of a, a description of what that bod pod experience is like and what we hope to learn from it well, what you're looking at in the bod pot is actually what women don't want to hear. And so um, I think it's interesting that you're starting with the bod pod because that's probably not on somebody's radar when they're going through midlife. Uh, I think it's important and it's a great piece of information. But a lot of women focus on hormones when they're looking at in their midlife, um, hot flashes and traditional symptoms of menopause what women probably don't want to hear about is how they contribute to their own lifestyle endpoint and so what the bod pod is where the rubber hits the road and it's going to be telling you how much visceral fat you have mm-hmm. so you know you've got good fat bad fat visceral fat and in midlife we by life 
longevity, cellular function, metabolism, tend to have that little bit of more visceral fat. Um, and it's also attributed to the standard American diet. They right. call it the SAD diet. So mm -hmm. you're looking at how you're using calories and that, you know, people always ask me, it's typical, they're saying, I haven't changed anything and I keep gaining weight. That's because you haven't changed anything. <laughs> right. So you gotta, so this is a time in your life when you're gonna have to make some changes. Right. So otherwise, things aren't going to be the same. We can't expect to maintain the same lifestyle and still maintain the same weight that we used to. Or shape. It's not shape. necessarily weight. It's shape and distribution. Right. Things that roll off to the side that used to be buoyant. You can't have, you know, I mean, you can, you know, eat the same amounts of calories, but maybe you're not eating the right kinds of foods. So one of the ways that I like to describe it, and I heard it from a lecturer, I can't take credit, is that you have to treat food as code. Mm. Code is like any like you would code your computer program. When you're, oh, when yeah. you're eating, food is code. So if you take in um, a cup of blueberries and a cup of walnuts and a splash of pomegranate juice um, and you you know add three ounces of salmon and, and do some intermittent fasting, you're reprogramming your cells and people don't understand that they think it's all just calorie utilization and it's not right it's the combination it's, it's the it's, integration <laughs> integrative approach it's your you know so that's just one piece of what we do in functional medicine is actually look at programming their cells nice so one of the big buzzes now is mitochondrial health so mitochondria are our building blocks, our energy producers of our cells and mm -hmm. how it divides and heals. So for instance, if you have a tendency to have cancer in your family genes, you can be at high risk for that or you can try to give your body the best defense possible by really utilizing healthy nutrition and the right kinds of combinations to prevent right. that. Right. So, and, I, and I hate to say it, but the biggest piece of where we're shooting ourselves in the leg is stress. Yeah. It affects how we metabolize food. It affects everything. How we metabolize thing. our hormone replacement, everything. Right, right. exactly. Stress mm -hmm. makes us fat. Wow. So Which I, is... I mean, I'll say it, blight, you know, back to the bod pod. I, I like it. You know, somebody's got to look at that stress. You know, they can't just look at... I'm gonna ride my bike more, and I'm gonna eat only salad and greens, but I'm still gonna work 45 hours a week and kill myself. Right, Doesn't I'd work. say 45 is light for a lot of women. 45 <laughs> to 50, Yeah. You know. I know I have a friend who says 50 is my is my low number. <laughs> and, That's um, too much. I know, I think so too. She doesn't have kids, so she justifies that, but it, it definitely um, makes an impression on your whole life. So if there were five things that you could tell your girlfriends on the podcast to do to improve their overall health, what five things would you recommend? Well, I would start with the whole stress piece because that's going to govern everything else. So look at your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've got to make adjustments and it's not easy to change. Um, it was it was hard for me to change, you know, um, a practice that I've been at for nine years, mm -hmm. um, and come to a complete unknown, um, you know. So, but 
it's important to look at that stress piece and be able to free up time to incorporate some actual positive things in your life, mm -hmm. um, like music and literature and walking and nature and exercise and movement and dance. All those things are just very uh, much of what has to be present to really reduce your stress and look at you know toxic people in your life. I always like to say you can feng shui people, like you can feng shui your furniture. <laughs> <clears throat> and if people don't know feng shui is the, is the art of actually placing objects in places that promote positive energy flow. Uh -huh. And that being around toxic people does not help energy flow. Right. So I think it's making some decisions about who you want to surround yourself around, mm -hmm. you know, and so, uh, and it's, oh, and give yourself permission maybe to form new relationships and let some old ones go. Right. That's a, you know, I mean, that's okay. You got to give yourself some permission sometimes. And I always said you can feng shui people. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't care about them. It just means that they're not maybe healthy for you. Yeah, and you learn to manage the time that you spend with them and how much you're going to absorb from their their energy yeah, or their that, attitude. that energy is not helpful for you. So I think stress, functioning, you know, toxic relationships, mm -hmm. and, and also, you know, making your environment pleasant. Um, you know, always look at something beautiful every single day. Get yourself some fresh flowers. It makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the, you know, as far as the other things for health is um, make sure you get a good practitioner that's going to listen to you um, mm -hmm. and that's going to actually ask you those questions that are sometimes the hard ones. Yeah. You know, so, and what was the last one that you asked me? Well, I asked if there were five things that you would give, but these are all, these are all good. Um, I think lifestyle was probably one of them in there, so that, that could count. Um, it's it's amazing how um, we don't give ourselves permission to do the very things that we know will actually help us to thrive more because we somehow, especially women, feel obligated to be this superhuman. And um, have you found, as you've discovered these components of a healthy lifestyle, that you actually have more to give to your husband and your kids? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying new skis this year. Good. You know, and, and um, um, you know, and, and I'm going to go ski, not because I'm a, a big athlete, but because it's important for me to get outside and enjoy nature. Mm -hmm. That is going to, you know, so, um, yes. And, um, I like and I get to travel, and even if it's for long weekends, to see my daughter more and to see my son and my daughter and my granddaughter more, because um, it's important for me to nurture relationships that are important to me. Right. Um, and I can't do that if I'm tired, and I don't want to be tired. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I heard one mom uh, who's now kind of a famous speaker. She said, I knew that something needed to change in my life when I would come home from work every day, and all I wanted to do is pour a glass of wine and sit and watch a movie with the kids. I didn't have energy to do anything else. But she was perpetuating a lifestyle that was just adding stress. Yeah, yeah those things aren't helpful, you right. know. So um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm not that I can live by example because... You know, um, I spent 25 years in a really bad grind. Yeah. Um, even though I loved it, um, it doesn't mean that it was always healthy for myself. Yeah, but you made a change. 
Right. You got to make you, change. Here you are. Well, we're so glad to have you as our, our health consultant for the women who are attending the Life Strategy Retreat in November. So thank you so much for giving me a little bit of time. And the, the most important question that I ask everybody is, what is your favorite wine when you do go home on Friday? Well, actually, I, I buy the cheap stuff for my maintenance wine, <laughs> and then I save the good stuff for special occasions. Uh-huh. So, um, but I have vowed to not really buy, sorry about this, I'm not going to buy boxed wine anymore. I've decided, I, I've upgraded, I'm not going to buy boxed wine. Not that there's not some good ones out there. But I've decided I, I, uh, there's some things in life you don't compromise, and that's buy organic carrots, buy name brand marshmallows, and try not to drink box wine. Yeah, well, it just adds a lot of sugar and you extra just, galleries without the payback. You, just, you can do better, I uh -huh. think, in some cases. So. Well, you can't work around Dr. Barber without drinking better wine. You've got you to gotta treat yourself to some nice stuff. Absolutely. Okay, good, good. I'll take your uh, advice. That's what we're serving in November. Thank you so much, Melinda. No, oh. <laughs> the better wine. Are you kidding? Oh, it was so funny. In fact, somebody even said, "What well, wouldn't that be funny if you invite people to a wine tasting and then you have like five different box wines <laughs> and they walk in? That would... Some of them are good, you know. It's, yeah, some of them are passable. Not exactly what we're looking for in a wine tasting. You want to make it count. Yeah, make yeah. Make it count. Make those calories go to work in the most positive way. Right. Okay. Well, thanks, Melinda. I really appreciate you. Thank time. you so much for having me. You're welcome. The two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring. I had a chance to speak at One Million Cups recently to tell a little bit of my story, why I started 360 Life Strategies. And if you're curious about that story that starts out with how I sold rocks door to door <laughs> and wore a lizard pin to my shirt uh, so it could run around my neck, if you want to hear that story and laugh a bit, go to 360lifestrategies.com and scroll down to the picture of One Million Cups and it'll take you to that YouTube. Uh, segment and you can laugh a little bit. You can also find the full transcript on my blog at 360lifestrategies.com so just go to that blog post if you want to read the full transcript because I was too nervous to actually give the full six minute talk and I missed some details. But I say this just to say that the reason why I started 360 Life Strategies is to provide a place where women can connect and catalyze something greater together than we can do alone. And that's why this retreat that I have been working and working and working on for November at the Garden of the Gods Resort is a summit of amazing women of influence. Women who are the leaders in their sphere and who wanna connect with other women who can help raise up greater influence in their life and it all starts with understanding using our our lovely wine metaphor understanding that the soil that we need to dig through and surrender in order to figure out how we can grow the fruit of great leadership and to understand how 
a winemaker pulls the grapes that are the best of the crop and takes those grapes and crushes them. And when we feel like our life is just being crushed and pressed, isn't it amazing to realize, wait a minute, I'm being crushed because I'm being prepared. I have to go through the crushing and the pressing before my life is ready for everyone to consume. And that consumption is where you get to share your gifts, your leadership with the world. And don't for a minute tell me you're not a leader because every one of us leads in our own sphere, some quietly and some on podiums. But I'm telling you that you are a leader. And if you want to catalyze greater results in your life and understand how your purpose matters, then you need to come. If you cannot wait to get more information on this retreat, go to 360lifestrategies.com forward slash retreats. You can look up on the menu and you'll see retreats there. You'll also see the blog and feel free to subscribe if you want to make sure you don't miss any of our messages talking about the characteristics of a fine wine that reflect the leadership in your life. You can find me on Instagram at Donna Carlson 360, on LinkedIn at Donna Carlson 360, and on Facebook, 360 Life Strategies, where you can see where we cultivate strategies to make your work in life work, to make your life the greatest that it's ever been. So join us. Till next week.